what does he say? What does Leo say when he's warming up for uh he's like eleven benevolent elephants? Eleven benevolent, benevolent elephants. Eleven <laughs> benevolent elephants. Eleven benevolent elephants. I'll, I'll loop it so it makes it sound like you got it first try. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> All right. Welcome to 2022, and to Worth Watching Once, a podcast where we review Netflix original films and ask the ultimate question, was it worth watching once? I'm Brady, that's the always respectful Thais, we're your hosts, and today we're looking at Don't Look Up. It's a 2021 comedy drama disaster movie directed by Adam McKay that runs two hours and 23 minutes, although it's really not that long because... It's only like two hours and 10 minutes until the end of the mid credits scene. And you just fast forward for like the 13 minutes mm-hmm. of the, the rest of the credits. If you want to see the final post credit scene, but exactly it's like a Marvel premise, movie. two astronomers go on a media tour to warn humankind of a planet killing comet hurtling toward earth. The response from a distracted world. Meh. I'm sorry. That's the actual. The Met the was Met on, Netflix? on Netflix. I don't think I realized that. Yeah. They spelled it <laughs> how do they spell it? Just M E H. You're like, how it's how pronounced. would you spell Met? <laughs> Meg. You know, maybe with like a G. No, no, mm, but with like an uh, H, and they'd be like Mech. You know, okay. like add a little. Right. No, I'm kidding. I'm cutting this out. <laughs> First cut of 2022. What? <laughs> Uh, but if you're a, a Google person, two low-level astronomers must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy yeah, planet meh. Earth. Meh. Meh. The IMDb meh. rating, 7.3. Rotten Tomatoes rating, we got a 55% from the critics. This movie's getting kind of hammered. Which we need to talk that. about. 77% from the audience, mm-hmm. which is reasonable. Yeah. And 82% like this movie 82% for Google users. For Google users. Have <laughs> we checked that out? I swear every time you say it's 82%. Google, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like it's just always 82%. You know what? I, not to make more work for myself, but maybe I'll just go back <laughs> and listen and then just cut in how many times I've it. said 82%. <laughs> um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you the, the critic consensus from Ron Tomatoes. Don't Look Up aims too yes, high please. for its scattershot barbs to consistently land, but Adam McKay's star-studded satire hits its target of collective denial square on. Meh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, speaking of missing its mark and not consistently landing, a lot of these reviews I'm reading, I don't, I don't we'll get to it. I will get to the critics. I don't. I don't get it. But yeah, let's let's do our classic housekeeping items. We have the director Adam McKay. He also wrote the screenplay and did the story with David Sirota. He's been nominated for five Oscars. Won one for best adapted screenplay for The Big Short, which he also directed. He's also directed both Anchorman movies, Step Brothers, The Other Guys, and Vice, aka the Dick Cheney movie. He also created the TV series Succession on HBO. And along with the big short and vice, this is the third, I guess, and what's become kind of an informal trilogy, so to speak. I'm using that loosely. 
I don't really have a good mm-hmm. name for it, but it's kind of like a what the hell is going on trilogy that takes a look at financial, mm-hmm. political, media absurdities, um, you know, along with The Big Short and Vice. And the first two are based on true stories. This is fictional, but an allegory for climate change. It's not a subtle movie, nor is it a subtle statement. And we'll mm-hmm. get into that. But first, the mm-hmm. actors, superstar mm-hmm. cast, absolute superstar cast. I don't normally go through and talk about each person, and what they've done. I'm not even going to do that here because oh, uh, Meryl Streep. There's just too Leo, many. J-Law, Kate Blanchett, Mark Rylance. Those five right there, they're all Oscar winners. They have eight acting Oscars between them in 40 nominations. 40 acting nominees. I mean, Meryl's half of those, but still, that's that's absolutely wild. And then we have Jonah Hill and Timothy Chalamet, who had another three nominations because Jonah's been nominated twice, Timothy once. They haven't won, but it's just an insanely talented cast of actors here. Uh, so, you know, given all that, mm-hmm. I don't think we need to break down the folks who are in this. You know who all those people are. There are other recognizable names in the cast, like Melanie Linsky, Tyler Perry, Ron Perlman, Ariana Grande, Kid Cudi, Michael Chiklis, Paul Guilfoyle. Last, definitely not least, is Rob Morgan, who had a very big role in this as the main scientist besides Leo and J-Law, mm-hmm. uh, but who I don't know that well. He's kind of stood out as like, a, wait, all these people, mm-hmm. and Rob Morgan. Um, so I did look him up and and you might have seen him in Mudbound, Stranger Things. He played Officer Powell, Daredevil. He played Turk Barrett, Godless, This Is Us, and more. Wait a second. Netflix Daredevil? Is it Netflix Daredevil or like? It's Netflix Daredevil. Ben Affleck Daredevil. <gasps> so he's just like us. One he has also started a Netflix <laughs> original series and movie. Yes, he is just like us. I just think that, you know, 2022, we need to do a better job at connecting all the Netflix Kevin actors. Bacon, but make it Netflix. Okay. Netflix. I yeah. dig that. Yes. I dig that a lot. That's right. I think that's our, our podcast resolution. Also worth mentioning, not Netflix related, but Himesh Patel. Oh my God. Did you see yesterday? yesterday? Yeah. He had such a minor role in this movie. It didn't really, he didn't stand out to me as someone who I was going to even look up and. Mm. Minor is relative, but yeah. (laughs) Do you think he was a major (laughs) character in this movie? Okay, now majors also <laughs> relative. What? what are we talking about here? <laughs> he was in. He was in. He the was movie. in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he was in the movie. He was in the um, movie. Objectively, a minor <laughs> character in the movie, but I got. I wanted a little what? more of him, but I feel like the he movie's was, already a little too yeah, long. Not? What else are they gonna? What else are they gonna talk about with him? I guess I, I just wanted like a little more bits with him because he seemed like he was going to be like relevant. And then he like, like dies he might have gotten more screen time than like Michael Chiklis, Kid Cudi, probably even Ron Perlman. Right. But like, yeah, those guys are all so minor. He's not characters. minor. <laughs> right. 
Okay. Patel isn't. <laughs> Patel was a major <laughs> character in this movie. I don't know what his name was, and he only had a few lines, uh, but he was a major character in this movie. Sure, his Philip. name was Philip. Brady. <laughs> he was a journalist or something for like BuzzFeed. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> The movie starts off right at the start. Like the very first thing we hear boiling water. Mm. <laughs> I didn't even, Oh my God. Go on. I'm so ready for this ride that you're about. Well, to, like, I, I, it's fun to talk about like, the very first thing in the movie because it's, it's consequential. You know, like we saw with, with love Harbor starts off in mm-hmm. LA. You know, there was meaning behind that. We went through in the episode, but like mm-hmm. the boiling water here, whether intentional or not, that was like the author of this movie. The director has reached a boiling point mm-hmm. and that's what's kicking off this movie. But also I'm thinking of the whole, like trying to explain climate change to people and like the whole idea of like, if you boil a frog slowly, it won't notice it. But if you boil him quickly, he'll definitely notice Jesus it. Jesus Christ, Heist, you're so <laughs> morbid. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, I have. I, I forgive me if that wasn't my first thought when I heard the boiling water. Yeah, this movies no, about no climate change. No this is and we're talking about boiling water as the first. Hey, hey, hey! Man. How do you make holy water? You boil the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> we're introduced to J-Law. So boiling water. Who's an astrophysics <laughs> doctoral candidate who discovers a comet. I'm sorry. Yeah, J-Law? Jennifer Lawrence. I know, but I think so. Is that what people actually call her? So we have J-Lo, J-Law. Do you have like a J-Lee? Are we going through like the alpha, like the, all the vowels? I, I search J-Law. <laughs> And Jennifer Lawrence comes up. Okay, so is that a real person, or are you just making that up? American illustrator. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, if there's J Law and a J Low, then we need a J Lee, a J Lay, and a J Lou. It's it's J Law though. It's J Law. The movie Law, starts off with Jenner. <laughs> not J Law. Okay, yeah. So then it would be like J Law. <laughs> How do you J no? Because then J Lou would be the same as. How, how would you differentiate between UW and EW? So Jayla is an astrophysicist. So Jennifer Kennedy. Lawrence. She discovers a comet. <laughs> Her professor Leo determines that it's coming straight towards Earth and will. Pit in six months, does some chalkboard math, whiteboard math, whatever. And they spend the rest of the movie pretty much trying to convince others, especially those in power, like mm-hmm. the president played by Meryl Streep, the reality of this threat barreling towards the planet. That's pretty much the whole film. That's, that's it. Mm. So yeah. given that that's it, let's just talk about the movie. <laughs> what... What did you think? Because you haven't told me at all how you felt about this yet. I have a thousand. Right. I was thoughts. waiting for this. 
but I've spoken a lot. Let's let's hear something from you. Okay. Hi, I'm Thais. For those listeners that don't know, <laughs> you've been talking the whole time. <laughs> Figured I'd introduce myself. <laughs> I'm Tife. <laughs> so irreverent. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> off the charts irreverent, but that's fine. So when I started watching this movie, yeah, I, I put it on and I took my notepad out on my phone, not an actual handwritten stuff. My handwriting's shit. And I wrote three things because I was just so into this movie that like I I just didn't have time to like I didn't want to pause and like write notes down. And there was so much going through my head watching it too, that it was just like too much to jot down. But then also I was just enjoying it so much that like, I didn't, I don't, it was just usually like with, with movies that we cover either the first time or like, I'll go back a second time and watch a movie to just like write out some of my thoughts and stuff for this movie, because the plot is so simple in the way that you described it, but also so convoluted in the way that we discussed I didn't feel like I needed to watch it again, but then when I look at my notes, I'm like, shit. I've watched it like five times. So my four notes that I have, and you can tell like at what point I, I stopped writing and just like got super into the movie based on these notes, because you've seen it five times. So you could probably quote the movie at this point. First note. Do you think she knew the lyrics beforehand? <laughs> it's like the first scene. She is like, Right Jayla there. is like sitting there. <laughs> She's like, yeah. Uh. Anyways, second note was ephemeris. Because <laughs> I didn't know what that word meant. Third was general charging for snacks is the best bit. And I wrote that in the beginning of the movie. So delighted that it came back. <laughs> absolutely thrilled that this was the biggest joke in the movie uh i definitely called it and then the last thing i just put hashtag screw the manatees <laughs> and that's, that's some in-depth stuff i know so yes brady i loved this movie uh feelings throughout the movie i was laughing i was frustrated i was sad i was disgusted sometimes a little confused yeah when it started, but overall, I, started I was enjoying it christmas eve was the day it came out and i was already aware of all the negative reviews at this point it was like covering in the 50s right off the bat on rotten mm. tomatoes that's something that happens with these types of movies sometimes it'll be like an absolutely star-studded affair big name director, uh, interesting plot. And then it comes out and everyone's just sort of like, meh. So I, I wasn't surprised. Yeah. And when I started it and was watching it, I was like, okay, I kind of get it. You know, I wasn't super into it. I thought it was way too heavy handed. And um, it was just, I felt like it was missing the mark. I ended up only watching, like I started super late. So I only watched like the first 30 minutes and then finished it a couple days later and then absolutely loved it. I've watched it a few times since then. And I don't even even on the other watchings, like I didn't feel that way at the beginning again. 
it I kind of got what it was. And I was like, okay, this is a, just a ridiculous over the top movie. And I really don't mm-hmm. get, I ended up today reading some of the negative reviews just to be like, all right, when I'm talking about this, I want to understand what aren't people liking about it. Cause I, I love it. And I really didn't mm-hmm. have anything that I didn't like yeah. about it. Even when we're talking about this and there are some movies that, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I can talk about how Eurovision was too long. Um, you know, there are movies we talk about that I like, but <laughs> I will find but we'll find problems with. Miscuzzi. Um, This really wasn't one of them. Uh, I, I could have said it was too long, but it's really only like two hours and five minutes until the credits roll. And then there's the mid credit scene and the very end credit scene. And mm. the credits are like 20 minutes long. But the movie's not even really that mm. long. In reading the negative reviews, I just, I don't really get it. A lot of them are like, oh, it's just, it, you know, what I said before, well, it's too heavy handed. It's, there's no subtlety. Yeah, but mm. like that's that's the movie. That's the point. That's the way he wanted. <laughs> that's it, the it's, point. it's an allegory, obviously. Uh, I'm not an English major saying that. Like that's apparent to anybody who watches it. It's it's a statement. It's satire. It's satire. <laughs> oh, you know, if you want subtlety, mm-hmm. go watch something else. There were a couple of movies I was thinking about while watching this. One was Doctor Strange Love. Or how I learned to stop worrying and, and love the bomb. It's a Stanley Kubrick film from like 1963. Might have come out early 1964. Anyway, it's a mm-hmm. satire. If you haven't seen it, it's about a general who mm-hmm. like goes nuts, goes rogue, takes over an army base that he runs, and launches nukes against USSR. It's a satire. It's over the top. It's ridiculous, but it's a brilliant, brilliant movie. I can't imagine watching that and being like. Oh, this is just, this is a bit too much. Yeah, that's the point. The interview the with uh, like the interview in North Korea about like with Seth Rogen yeah. and James Franco. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like no one went into that think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, and I think that's the same reaction I'm having of reading these negative reviews because, especially one review. Sp- particularly this 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 person was saying like we they put like we in all caps and then like period get period it period so like think of it that way in that format so he said we get it stop throwing it in our faces and shoving it down our throats or something like that and i'm like whoa like if you're feeling that strongly about it then like maybe i don't know guilt check like do you i don't does it <laughs> like, not you don't want it to be a comedy at that like a certain point i, I don't i don't get what kind of movie you make no if I, it's not this one you make like a super serious i, I just I, don't, I can't envision it right like what do people want but uh, but a lot of the, the the arguments that i the arguments the a lot of the articles that i found their argument was that this movie never hit the climate change mark. And their point of view was like, it's a disaster movie, nothing more. And it's like, but, but that's the metaphor. That's the, <laughs> like, did you want to watch yeah. a climate change movie? <laughs> like this was, because clearly like we've seen over the years, people aren't getting the message. And so how else would you talk about something if, if people and apparently people are tired of like 
talking about it, listening to it, seeing on the news, which I'm like, where in the news are we seeing these things? But okay. Uh, that's my own point of view. But if these certain people are sick and tired of hearing it or don't believe it or, or whatever, how else are we going to get this point across to them? Why not put it in a pill that can be swallowed like <laughs> a disaster movie? It's fun. Everyone likes disaster movies. We watch them all the time and like putting in some some dark humor like it, and I guess that was like another thing too. like people are saying like this movie isn't funny. Like I never laughed. And I'm like, OK, but like it wasn't supposed to be funny. Ha ha. Like it's it, it's, it's, it's dark, dark humor. humor. And <laughs> I, I don't think this movie was like I don't think Adam McKay made this movie to change anyone's mind. I might be wrong on that, but it, it feels more like a, I am so frustrated by what's going on right now and, and the priorities that people have that I am just mm. I'm going to vent on paper and make a movie about how frustrated I am mm. and point out the things that I'm frustrated about. That's that's what it is. Right. And I think it is objectively hilarious. Jonah Hill made me laugh every time he spoke. <laughs> Jonah, oh Jonah Hill, yeah. I, I saw that he he said his like conceptualization of the character was, what if Fire Festival was a person and that person had power in the White House. <laughs> that perfectly summarized what his characters. He had a uh, Hermé Birkin bag that he carried around. Like that was his official. He's on stage and he has his Birkin bag. Like it's the nuclear football with the, the nuke codes. The, the look on Jonah Hill's face when Dr. Oglethorpe says that they're from Michigan State and he's. He kind of has that look like yeah. surprising. He's like, come on, bro. Ogilor's like, they have a very good <laughs> astronomy program. Come on, bro. He's watching the launch of the mission. He's like, Molly kicking in right now. I timed that shit perfect. Yeah. <laughs> the, the meeting, the meeting where he goes, oh no, we're all going to be rich and safe. He like every time he spoke, <laughs> it was so so funny. So, I think the I think the movie was was a riot. And like the way that mm -hmm. Tyler Perry in Cape Blanchett, they did a fantastic job mm. as like uh, a Regis and Kelly type oh my type host. Like they were perfect for like that that morning fluff uh, news media. You, you know exactly what that is. It's, it's just like they will occasionally talk about serious mm -hmm. subjects, but it'll be like a lighthearted take on them. They're, they're not looking at the camera yeah. and saying, this is a crisis or this is a problem. We have to focus on this. They're not they're, It's not the, um, mm -hmm. um, you know, good, good night and good luck brand of, of journalism that we had in like the 50s and the 60s. And, you know, when uh, Edward Murrow would look at the camera and you know, tell you the news. This is, this is media news media has become an entertainment product, which is fine. I'm not going to comment on that. It's, mm -hmm. It is what it is. You can find any sort of news program on any channel at any time, anywhere in the world or online. So like, there's going to be all kinds of fluff, but I, I thought it, uh, Tyler Perry and Cape Lynch did an awesome job representing that part of news media. 
And Adam McKay did a great job mm-hmm. of showing what that is like on screen. Some of the some of the criticisms I've seen in the movie is, yeah. well, the media is taking climate change seriously, first of all. All right. Are a journalist who writes for a newspaper. Okay. Like <laughs> I absolve you of your sins working for the, the news media and being a journalist. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. The New York Times does a story on on climate change. But it's missing the point that right. climate change isn't uh is this major, major crisis that could seriously affect coastal cities mm-hmm. in 30 years. And no one's talking about it like there's going to be a significant portion of the world that won't have a place to live on the coast in a few decades. Or there are major cities that are running right. out of clean water and might not have like actual cities mm-hmm. might not have clean water in like, you know, 10 years. And, and there's a portion of news media that's right. not taking that seriously to the extent that they, they probably should. So I thought, the movie mm-hmm. did a great job of representing that. And, um, you know, if you're not in the movie, that's fine. I get it. Like, that's the movie's not for everyone. Not everyone likes dark humor. Not everyone likes disaster movies. Uh, you know, seeing a comet flying through space can make some people sweat. And the thought of it hitting Earth, like, they don't, they don't want to be in the same room <laughs> as the movie being on. So I, I totally get that. Um, but but I liked it. It, it was Sorry, I'm talking a lot to you, but something else I thought of because there were a couple of other movies <laughs> that I had in mind. Um, Wait, yeah. Before you get into that, because I had a, a point also, because that also reminded me in, in some of these articles that I'm reading, a lot of people are making the comparison of, well, a comet is, you know, an impeding, uh, you know, danger to to the planet, whereas climate change you know, it's going to take a while to get here. It's like, it's not that prevalent. We don't have to worry about it. Cause you know, and it was kind of funny because I, I was having this discussion with Jared earlier and he, he actually made a a pretty awesome comment. He was just like, "Ah, comment, see what I did there. Uh, He goes, well, did they want the comet to take 30 years to hit earth? Like that wouldn't have been like a funny movie. (laughs) And I was like, wait a second, but would the message have hit harder then instead of it only being six months? Like, what if it did take 30 years? And then the movie is like, you know, it throughout 30 years, we're seeing like different generations doing their part to try and like stop this comet. And then like, finally, within like the last few months of it coming in, the government shuts it down for like their own gain. Like maybe that message would have hit harder to show all the work that we've been putting in for those 30 years for it to be like shut down immediately or something you know what i mean like i think that maybe that would have added like another layer of like fuck (laughs) because i guess people aren't getting that that layer of it they they see as like if a comet's hurtling down the earth like we're all doomed that's something to be scared of it's tangible right it's an object that's coming we can see it (laughs) whereas like climate change like eh, we can't really feel what's happening but it's like but that's like why we changed it from global yeah. warming to climate change, right? Like, because words have power and like, it's not about just, yeah. So, so there's that. And then also a lot of people are stuck on the fact where they're like, well, you know, because Americans live, uh, you know, a certain lifestyle and in order to be able to, to stop climate change, like 
every citizen like needs to, you know, stop using plastic and like stop working blue collar jobs and like stop, I don't know, doing whatever. And it's like putting all this responsibility on like just one person and also just Americans. Like we forget climate change affects the whole world. And every single one of these articles that I was reading was just saying how like America isn't ready to like make these changes. Like we need fossil fuels. We need this and that. And it's like, okay, but what about the rest of the world? We let's talk about how collectively we need to change. That's what climate change is. It's not just about America going through it. The whole world's going through it. It's not just American cities that are going to be without water. Like you, like it just feels like no one's seen the bigger picture. And that's why I really liked the comparison of a comet hitting the planet you know, cause it's, it's, it's the planet. It's not just hitting America, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's a, what do they call it? A, a world destroyer, Extinction world annihilator. I forget the, yeah. Uh, why isn't climate because, change considered Because like that? you said, it's, it's hundreds <laughs> of years away and it's not, right. you know, if a 10 kilometer rock hits the planet, we're all dead. There's really, <laughs> there's not no surviving that, but it's very, very difficult to to survive that. Uh, climate change is something that would take place over you know, centuries before it got to a point where we'd all be dead, and, and there would be some people who adapt. But but civilization as we know it would have a difficult time adapting the way that it's structured now to. A five degree warmer warmer Earth. Right. The the, the comet analogy, and I saw the New York Mag article right. that was like, this is a bad allegory for climate change. No, it's not at all. It might be. It might mean it's a bad analogy for climate change, which I also might disagree with. But mm-hmm. saying it's a bad allegory is that's just wrong. That's like saying animal farm is a bad allegory because people aren't animals, or we don't all live mm-hmm. on a farm like it's it's a great allegory for climate change there is something coming straight towards us and it's gonna kill us all unless we take preventative measures so i I thought it was a good allegory in that regard Mm -hmm. and in terms of you know setting the movie up so like we know it's coming and then have time to figure something out there's a movie that came out in 1998 it's called deep impact and Mm. they they kind of did that Early in the movie, they discovered, it was Elijah Wood, discovered a comet or an asteroid coming for Earth. And it was like, this thing's going to be here in, I can't remember how long it was. Might have been 18 months, 24 months or more. It wasn't 30 years, but there was an amount of time. That movie stunk. That that movie stunk. (laughs) It, It wasn't, so I could like making a movie that was more representative of of climate change in the time, the generations that would have to work towards it. Uh, that sounds like a sweeping epic that, you know, maybe someone could pull off, but it just doesn't sound that entertaining. The way they did it here, I thought was was great. You had six months to mm-hmm. put some pressure on. It makes the, the plot more intense, gives it more of a thriller type mm-hmm. feeling. Um, right. Yeah, because it's yeah, a exactly. movie also. Yeah. I just, I wanted to... <laughs> It's not historical documents. It's a movie. I'll be like, you know, I like the movie, but I, this critic, like, I agree with it. You know, this, um, you know, the, the, the plot was ridiculous. A lot of plot holes or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, a lot of the reviews I read for this, that were super negative. I just didn't really, 
I didn't see it. I didn't agree with it. I, I thought the allegory worked. Um, yeah. A lot of them I just felt like focused on the on the wrong things. But but what do I know? And right. you know, one of the th- this is a super cynical movie, right? It's very very cynical. So mm-hmm. it's yeah somewhat of an existential crisis that I'm like, oh, I I super relate to this because like. If it's resonating with me, <laughs> does that mean I'm so much more cynical than than everyone else who's like, oh, this is too heavy handed or this? Um, but it, it made me think. So there are two movies that came out in the late 90s. I mentioned one, Deep Impact, and the other was Armageddon. They both came out in 1998, mm-hmm. both about asteroids coming towards Earth. And uh, the US, of course, is going to kick into high gear. I, I think <laughs> Deep Impact might have involved some other nations as well, but you know it's the U.S. and they sent a team uh, to deflect or destroy it before it can reach Earth. And the missions have varying degrees of success in each movie, but the movies are hopeful and they draw on this idea of American exceptionalism. Mm-hmm. Look where we're at, twenty-five years later. <laughs> With, 25 years with, later with how <laughs> the u.s is portrayed managing a crisis like that because back then i don't know if you've seen those movies mm-hmm. but they're like they're like raw raw you know propaganda type films almost like a, like a top gun right like yeah, we were like, like proud yeah, of- harry stamper like i'm proud to be an american like harry stamper and stand <laughs> up pour one out for harry uh, this has a completely <laughs> different viewpoint, and you know it, what is it? is it? Is it two wars over twenty years, or a financial crisis? Is it? What the are, there, of pro, there's media. so many factors. <laughs> like the world, you know, is not insanely mm-hmm. different today than it was twenty five years ago. Uh, I think they're mostly superficial things, like. Uh, cell phones and, and social media. There's no like major changes. Like we have the telephone mm-hmm. now or lights, uh, like the early tw- uh, 20th century. The but, yeah, internet? I mean, the internet existed in 1998. Um, the, 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 all of that's <laughs> more advanced now. But uh, there, there's this is just such a cynical movie compared to to those two. That was an interesting just observation I made or something I was thinking about while, while watching the film. And mm-hmm. um, again, going back to that cynicism, like I didn't disagree with any of it. Everything that happened, like there was so much ridiculous mm-hmm. stuff, but all of it, I, I, like all of it, I could relate sense. to something that happened in real life in some way. I kept thinking about um, yeah. Tom Clancy had this great quote Um I'm, I'm of course going to struggle to think of it right now, but it's something like the difference between fiction and reality, fiction has to make sense. So a lot of times you watch a movie or read a book or something, <laughs> you're like, yeah, this is absurd. This couldn't happen. But like something ridiculous happens in real life and mm-hmm. you're like, well, that doesn't make sense, but it, it really happened. So many things in this, like the, mm-hmm. the president's son being her chief of staff, like that's not something that really happened, but... <laughs> You know, close enough that I was like, but. like some of the stuff they were saying but. at rallies, I was like, I've seen something mm-hmm. similar to this before. Um, right. The movement. The, the, the scientists, of course, not being taken seriously at all. The way they were reacting, uh, like I talk mm-hmm. about the, the fluffy media. 
Yeah. I love the, the comparison of like both, um, what was her name? He was Randall Jayla. and she was. J- okay. Jayla. No, DB yeah, asked Katie. D- right, Cause that's the name of the comment. Yeah. It's Kate. Yeah. Kate. Maybe it's just Kate. Yeah. Jayla. I'm okay, sticking so with Jayla the movie star names here. The Leo cast D. is too stacked. <laughs> All right, so Jayla and Leo D, right? Both scientists, female, male, go on TV. And I liked that they made her the villain and him the sexy icon. They never like sexualized her. Mm-hmm. Yep. They sexualized him. <laughs> but like I I thought that that was refreshing, but also the way that they demonized her and was like wow crazy bitch like she's the the crazy one like it's easy to make like the woman the crazy one too so it's like we've seen that happen before as well so that's it's one of those again it's like it's fiction but it's true and that's why earlier when i said like i was uncomfortable and upset and stressful (laughs) is because like all these things like if they haven't happened they've happened in a very similar way that makes me uncomfortable and i sometimes feel like maybe all this negative uh, backlash that we're getting from the movie is their first reaction to that uncomfortable feeling. Like how you said, when you started the movie, like you were like, oh, this is heavy handed. But then now having seen the full thing and seeing it over and over, like that feeling isn't there anymore Mm because now you're recognizing what it was because it's difficult to stare at the truth it's difficult to look in the mirror and i feel like this movie is that mirror i mean it might be a little disordered so that it's a little bit easier for you to look at it but that uncomfortable feeling is there and i think we need to just kind of accept it sit with it let it you know linger and figure it out so we can move on and finally get a solution going um but i was thinking about uh other because another point that some of these articles made was like this is supposed to be a climate change movie not a disaster movie and i'm like okay name another climate change movie that's not a disaster movie go watch because the day I after feel tomorrow like every disaster movie go go watch planet earth thinking, oh my god right <laughs> uh which brought me to a movie which i haven't seen yet that's the movie i texted you about earlier if you had seen it silent night uh, so shout out to Morgan. We we had a conversation recently and she's the one that that told me that I should watch this movie because it sounds like it would be up my alley. But essentially, it's about a family that's just like gathering for a family dinner while the world is like mm. coming to an end, like outside the house. And I guess there's this one scene where like the kids are like talking to their parents, like looking at them like it's your fault you know, that this is happening. And the parents are sitting there like, but it's not our fault <laughs> because like, it's not mine and yours fault that the climate is changing. <laughs> like it's all the people that have done it before us. We're trying to fucking fix it. And I just thought that like, I mean, that sound, I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but that sounds like a good representation of like that uncomfortable feeling of like, listen, we get it. It sucks. It's not our fault, <laughs> but we're still going to like, take on this responsibility you just, and try you just jog my memory uh because there's yeah. a, a similar there's a movie called it's a disaster it's about 10 years old and it's about a 
like mm. I don't know, three or four couples get together for like a Sunday brunch. And when they get there, they realize that <laughs> there's some sort of incident where they have to like seal off their doors and like the world might be ending. And it's a it's a comedy. And it's a it's a really funny movie. I watched it on a plane uh, last year. And it's similar to this in that it's like a kind of a dark comedy. There, there's really no, um, you know, moral message to it uh, as far as I remember. But mm-hmm. uh, a dark comedy about uh, some couples getting together and the end of the world. David Cross. Yeah, yep. with David Cross. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's what I mean. Like, the, I feel like you can't separate climate change from disaster because that's the message we're trying to get across is that climate change will mm. lead to a disaster. So, like, for somebody to sit here and be like, it's a disaster movie, not a climate change movie. Like, what do you want to watch a documentary? Like I, I just don't know. I don't know how to separate the, the two. Rainforest becoming a desert, and maybe is a that's disaster. their. Comp- <laughs> like, but that's what I mean. Like, it's it's that's a little bit dis- over the top. Maybe hundreds of years. No matter now, like how, that, like there, there are things <laughs> happening around the world that's... that are objectively a disaster. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, climate change is is a disaster. Yeah. And I don't. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a political stance to say that climate change is happening. Like that seems to be an undeniable fact at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. It's <laughs> I mean, another thing about the movie, though. The uh, Who knows? when Leo was going off to do the media tour, and Doctor Oglethorpe was like, "No math," and Leo goes, "But it's all math." <laughs> It's all <laughs> Leo's like telling the president and uh and Jonah Hill's character the what's going on in the White House, and Jonah just goes, oh, I'm so bored. <laughs> he he was incredible. He was. And like, how do you not I know that, that like one of the a few of the articles are like this movie wasn't funny. Like Jonah Hill was. Oh an absolute riot he's incredible yeah and uh the, oh the my God. snacks bit is the funniest thing the running I've joke seen all year. of the general <laughs> charging them for free stuff <laughs> it's so underrated it was a, it was so funny and like it, it was probably i always watch the, the subtitles best. which stinks sometimes but it would probably be even funnier without subtitles because mm-hmm. like there were times where Jayla looks like she's going to say something really serious and then she'll be like I just can't yeah. believe it. he's a three star general why would he I just can't wrap my head around it yeah. it'll be like you know an hour and a half later is it like a power yeah. play I, I thought that was underrated hilarious <laughs> joke and it was done beautifully like that's yeah. a callback mm-hmm. to a joke you know what I mean like it it's ah. Uh, Brilliant, just absolutely brilliant to to be able to like say the same joke, but each time in like a refreshing but nostalgic, surprising way. Like it just, uh, yep, no doubt, brilliant, just brilliant. Uh, 
I absolutely love that. I wanted to ask, speaking of DiBiaschi comment. So because uh, J-Law's character, I think it, it is Kate DiBiaschi. She is the one that discovered the comment. They, you know, naturally they're like, yep. oh, we're going to name it the DiBiaschi comment. I wanted to ask you, Brady, because throughout the movie, I, I kind of got a sense that that became like another way to, to demonize her to, yeah, because like they're, they're using it as like, mm-hmm. cause they already don't like her. Like, I mean the, the, the public, right. The general public would take, don't, don't, don't like her. And now this comment, this comment, you know, everybody's like saying it sarcastically right. with air quotes or whatever is now also named after her. Like that's just automatically tarnishing her name. You know, it's literally yeah, her was, name. There was one part where I thought that they, I didn't think they did a lot with it, but there was one part where I think it was the president or someone mm-hmm. was like, you know, we have to, we have to take out this threat, this Dibiaski. I was like, oh, that, that stinks <laughs> for J-Law. I was like, they could be talking about her right. too. Like they're not in the context, but like could mm-hmm. be a representation of her. I feel like that was the only time they did it, but I, I, I picked up on that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, how would you feel having a comet or a disease or, you know, something uh, scary (laughs) being named after you? Because, like, I think of that, too, like, you know, like different diseases, (laughs) like Munchausen. Like, you know who Lou Gehrig is? Guy's name, right? We'll cut that. No, but. I mean, I wasn't there at the time, but <laughs> I'm sure at the, like, that's what I mean. It's like, is it notoriety or is it shame? And like, what would you, what would need to be named after you for it to be like, oh, you're very proud of it. And then like, or would you still be proud of like, listen, I discovered this new disease. I'm going to name it, you know, the b <laughs> I'd want to make it sound a little less like a party, Thais. <laughs> Maybe it's a party in your mouth. It's this new bacteria that makes your tongue crackle like pop rocks. And people are like, this is disgusting. I got the B Dells. Like I'm, I'm down with the Dells. Yeah, I think I'm like, good not, not like, having any of that. It means. You know, I uh, appreciate my anonymity. Like, would part of you, <laughs> would part of you feel like, wouldn't you want to, have pride and like i discovered I discovered this. <laughs> a celestial body yeah no doubt you'd name it the brady <laughs> i, I would like, name it after myself everywhere <laughs> would you feel uncomfortable no, if somebody named it after you but then if these celestial beings I said like bodies. started do you say bodies or beings either way <laughs> You know, like a planet or an asteroid, <laughs> a star. Okay, so if this asteroid, actually, real quick side note, uh, what's the difference between an asteroid and a comet, Matt? I actually please know. Tell this. us. Shout out to Matt. I took astronomy. Matt, in fuck college. you. We have Brady. <laughs> I thought it was going to be different than what it was. Um, it was not. Is it it's, the size? Is it the mass? Is it how it so from, comes into from the from Earth and gets out? So from what I recall, asteroids 
are made up of metals and rocky material, and they formed too mm-hmm. close to the sun for any ice to remain. Comets, meanwhile, are made up of ice, dust, and rocky material. They formed mm-hmm. much further from the sun. I think in the movie, Leo said they were from the Oort cloud or the Kuiper belt, which is like far, far, far outside our solar system. And so because they formed mm-hmm. so far from the sun, their ice remains. So this this comet in the movie was coming from like the Oort cloud or the Kuiper belt far outside of our solar system. And so it retained some of its ice. That's why it's a, a comet. But when these comets approach the sun, some of their ice melts and forms a tail. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the tail, the, the oh. melted ice and other debris uh, forms the tail. That's what you see on the tail of a comet. So if an asteroid was coming, would it like break apart? Like would it crumble? It depends it how hit, big it is. Like the atmosphere. So uh, uh, like a comet and an asteroid, if mm-hmm. they're both. Yeah. So wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me that size In does case, matter? It does. Yeah. When it comes to <laughs> giant celestial bodies hammering the earth, size does matter. Because the little stuff just breaks up in the atmosphere <laughs> and become, you know, we see shooting stars. Right. Burn off. The bigger shooting ones, stars. though, yeah, whether it's an asteroid or a comet, you know, that's going to plow right through and mm. it's over. Yeah. So I have some worth mentioning ones. Uh, com- comments. I keep wanting to say comets. <laughs> I have some comments. Uh, orbiting this episode that want to penetrate our podcasts. I actually think that was all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was okay. Yeah, you like that? Yeah. yeah. Thanks. I, let's pretend I said it with uh, what, it wouldn't have worked out confidence. No. Should we, should we spoil the movie? Um, should we talk about how it ends? Because my... The worth mentioning ones, facts that I have talk about the end credit scenes. All right, let's we'll talk about it, but let's save it because there are some other stuff I wanted to mention. And since it's the end, we might as well just save that stuff for the end anyway. Yeah. All right. Um, Okay. Just a few other things I liked about it. You know, I'm going to mention the music. Loved the music. Nicholas Bertel. He did fantastic mm-hmm. work on The King, Netflix original movie, which I thought was excellent with Timothy Chalamet and Robert Pattinson. Um, he also does the music for Succession, which that theme song, I don't know if you watched Succession or have heard the theme, but it's like an all-time theme song. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked, so Leo has a speech on the Fluffy News program more towards the end of the movie. It's kind of like the start of the third act. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me a lot of the I'm as mad as hell speech from Network. It was a, Network was a movie in the 70s, like Best Picture winner. And there was a speech in it where the newscaster got mm-hmm. up and he said, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And he's screaming at the audience. Leo had a moment like that 
where he's on the news. And it's the kind of moment where even if you're like on your phone and the scene comes on, you you just take a moment to watch it because it's like absolutely captivating. And Leo really killed it. I thought it was his best scene in the movie, maybe the end, which he really nailed. Um, but Leo did a mm-hmm. great job. Despite whatever any of the critics say about the movie itself, the, the acting was uh, fantastic. Yeah. And it's, I think that scene's interesting and powerful too, thinking back to he's not saying anything new. You know, he's saying exactly mm-hmm. what they've been saying from the beginning. And, but at the beginning, you know, he was the quiet one, she was the loud one. No one wanted to hear what she had to say. Now that the media loves him, now he can go and say it and it's going to hit some yep. people's hearts, minds, whatever. Um, I think that had something to say about if a woman comes and says it, what does she know? Mm-hmm. She's a scientist. Come on. You know, and especially like her haircut, like she had like a cool edgy haircut like he's you know over there like clean cut like i mean not clean i mean he had like a beard and whatever but like i'm just thinking putting the two of them together here's this young woman with an edgy haircut you know weird color hair like and just saying like we're all gonna die like fucking figure it out i I don't think the Mm. public was ready for her (laughs) and then now later on in the movie like it was it was a cool evolution to see but also sad that it was like oh like leave it to the fucking guy to then say it and mansplain to people that the world's gonna end (laughs) i don't know to me like that's how that's part of my frustration was just like he's literally saying and reacting the same way she did but let's attack her but when he stands up and says it, suddenly the whole fucking studio has got to go quiet and be like, oh, you know what? He might have a fucking point. I mean, not that like everybody was like, yes, he's right. Like he still had, you know, backlash in, <laughs> Back in <his> head. <laughs> um, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he still right. hit a wall. Like he still had resistance, right? Like people, you know, didn't actually like follow him, but it still made more of an impact than when she did it and that was annoying yeah. to see because i've experienced that uh, one one last thing i so. want to mention about what i liked timothy chalmay loved his character from what i've read that was like a last minute addition timothy had wanted to work with adam mckay they wanted to work together mm-hmm. there wasn't really a role for him in this movie and at some point someone was like where's where's the representation of religion in this and that's when they came up with timothy's character mm-hmm. he did that was one of my work. He did a fantastic facts, job as this representation of religion and his speech, I guess it was a prayer at dinner, was like mm-hmm. the soul of the movie. It was a really beautiful and unexpected moment. There's a shift in the movie, probably really around the time Leo makes that speech I mentioned, the, the third act, where like the last 30 minutes of the movie the, the jokes really aren't coming anymore. And all of a sudden, you don't really notice it at first, uh, mm-hmm. but it, it becomes somber and serious. And Timothy's character does this, this prayer at dinner that was just really moving. And that was really the only time that religion came up. 
you know, he had mentioned that he was raised evangelical or whatever, but it's, it's not really a, a big deal. Nothing's really made of religion at all in the movie. Uh, and I liked that they didn't mm-hmm. poke fun of or ridicule religion. I think that was really important in a movie like this. Yeah. But instead, they showed the powerful side of spirituality and, and mm-hmm. faith. And yeah. Faith. And um, I think that was something that I really liked that that kind of came in uh, just at the, at the very end of the movie. And um, just something I really liked about it. Mm. It's uh, interesting that you brought it up because when I was watching the movie, I was, uh, I was annoyed (laughs) and like, I feel bad for saying this, but, um, I'm not religious. Uh, I have my own, you know, spirituality, but when he was like, Oh, I'm evangelical and you know, whatnot. I, I got this like weird feeling in my stomach of like, Oh no, is this movie going to go from like how all not all disaster movies but like how uh like when people get pushed into a corner they start like there's a mass hysteria and they like turn to something and like usually religion turns into a thing and it becomes like this like scary overpowering law you know it's no longer a choice it becomes law and i didn't want this movie to turn into that And so like for a movie to go that long without mentioning religion at all, and then suddenly to like drop it, I was scared that it was going to turn into one of those things where like we were going to see the aftermath of like it turning into Mm. like the village or something like, (laughs) and I, or uh, like the mist even like how they start freaking out inside the the supermarket. Like I thought it was going to turn into something like that. So like, I got a little annoyed at like the prospect of that happening. Uh, but then, you know, at at that dinner scene when they're like, oh, you know, should we say grace? Like I, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit, but then as the scene's going on and they're saying it and, you know, I'm watching like everyone's reactions and I'm thinking about myself in that situation. And I really did think I was like, yeah, I mean, when you are at the end of your ropes, right? Like you, sometimes you do look up for answers. Rather it be, you know, the universe or God or Gaia or, you know, whoever you you look to, like we do seek some sort of like answer or understanding. And I thought it was sweet that all these characters like admitted it. They're like, you know, we're not religious, so we don't really know what to do here. And then he was like, let me lead you in it. And it wasn't like a Oh, I'm better than you. Let me do this. Let me help it was, guide uh, you. No, I can do this for us. Uh, guide us. Yeah. Let me help. Yeah. And it wasn't, uh, yeah, it, it, it wasn't, you know, I don't think they did it in a disrespectful no. way to any religion. It just, it seemed, yeah, it, it mm-hmm. seemed fair. It was just like, yeah, I think like at that point, like that's probably like what people would feel comfortable. With. It was just like a comforting thing. And I thought that that was a, it was, it was sweet. Yeah. It was, it ended on like on a sweet note for them to like put that there. Um, in which I'm glad that you also mentioned that, you know, for the last like 30 minutes of the movie, yeah. like things got real bleak <laughs> and which is why the director wanted to add those extra credit scenes so that we could end on a high note. 
because ultimately this movie is going towards the right. disaster, right? right? Like and that's the, the whole point of it is like, yeah, after it, it all would make sense that, you know, this whatever, is still like, a comedy and we want to bring it back to that. So mm-hmm. we're going to, Tyson and I are going to discuss the, the mid and post credit scene. Um, so spoiler alert for that before we do a couple of, couple of additional fun facts. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any, but there are a couple that, uh, that I wanted to go into, or I guess just, just one. We've gone through a lot of these. One thing I thought was cool though, is we saw the white house early on and they kept showing portraits mm-hmm. in the white house, which I thought was kind of funny. Cause the first one they showed was William Henry Harrison, who was our ninth president. And he gave the longest inaugural address in history. Didn't wear a hat or gloves. He caught pneumonia and he died 30 days later. Yes. From the speech? So it was interesting to see. So as soon as I saw that portrait, I was like, okay, they're making a statement here with the the portraits that are in the White House. Um, And uh, just be clear, I didn't find a source on this. So I just had to look at the scene and do my best. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm wrong, that's on me, but I caught William Henry Harrison. The next one I saw that they showed was Nancy Reagan. She was the first lady, uh, obviously mm-hmm. with, with Ron Reagan. And she's someone who relied on and leaned on the advice of an astrologer while her husband was president among many other, uh, unpopular policy decisions mm-hmm. that I won't get into. Uh, Richard Nixon was the portrait hanging in the Oval Office, the only president to resign in disgrace. And then I also noticed Andrew Jackson, who was a populist hero. He was kind of the first guy who was elected, who was a man of the people and not like an elite John Adams, the James Madison type, um, which is relevant for today. And while he was president, he ignored the decisions of the Supreme Court. He was responsible for the genocide of the Native Americans, and he shut down the Bank of the United States, leading to an economic depression. Um, I I tend to be a fan of some of the things that Andrew Jackson did uh, while he was president in his life, but I uh, wanted to point out the uh, awful stuff that he did because that stuff was bad. So mm-hmm. I think it was interesting that those were the portraits that were chosen. And I believe that they were chosen uh, Mm -hmm. not haphazardly, but yeah, absolutely deliberately deliberately, uh, chosen to Mm -hmm. to make a statement about uh, the kind of people that we sometimes have running the the country from the Oval Office, from the White House. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, that's one of the things that, you know, maybe spoiler. I'll try not to spoil this. So we'll just say... The politicians, the president, our lady president, which she looked great. She okay, did. I feel like Meryl Streep's one of those people that just like a fine one. <laughs> Can I say that? It just, I just feel like she's getting like more and more gorgeous. I feel like she still hasn't hit her peak. Like this woman's just going to keep on getting better. I don't know. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> I said that at work the other day. I was just is like, I don't think she's smoke peaked show yet. Of president still waiting. What? Is there any other president you want to see him play, boy? Jonah Hill is just way too good in this movie. And it was so funny because, like, at that scene, I turned to Jared and I was like, "Yeah, I'd fuck my mom." <laughs> Put me in the movie, okay? Um. <laughs> 
I love, I love their relationship. But, and that was, that was like the, the infuriating, like frustrating and funny uh, parts of this movie was how the president was reacting to the news, you know, like talking about where their priorities, you know, were. And a lot of it mirrored what was going, what's been going on with COVID as well. You know, this pandemic, the way that it's shifted the nation. I I saw a lot of similarities with this movie, with the pandemic. And I think a lot of people might've felt it more with that than the climate change portions of it, just from how the media reacted to the news, how, you know, politically, like how people were split, you know, between the two, (laughs) Uh, the, the political movements attached to it. I loved seeing clips of how people were reacting online because we've seen that a lot too. And it was just, it was neat to see like some of the people being serious about it. Some people just making stupid TikToks Mm. or weird challenges being, (laughs) you know, started. It it just, you know, it it was also a, um, a comment on what social media has done to us as a society and how we react mm-hmm. to things and how we process things, you know, a lot. And, and I think it was really cool to see that process <laughs> in a safe space of me being home and right. not having to be in that environment <laughs> in that universe. Cause, Oh my God. Like, like I think one of the biggest things that like really hit me is when um, J law heads home and her parents yep. like hold the door closed. And she's like, guys, like, let me in. And they're like, we're not discussing politics. We like, support whoa. the job that this comment will, bring. you know, like, I think it's like, whoa, <laughs> like, and now, whoa, whoa. And oh man, it, you know, and that's like a, a comment on, you know, the, all the jobs we're going to, you know, lose if we stop using fucking. I uh, thought you were going to say toothpaste. I don't, there. I don't know why listen. I thought you were going to say toothpaste. <laughs> if we stop using toothpaste, we will lose so well, many jobs. I just jobs. had a thought to you well, after I mentioned Jonah Hill. And, you know, we talked about uh, Timothy's uh, prayer. And how powerful that was around the same time. Mm. I just realized Jonah Hill makes a prayer too. And it's an unbelievable juxtaposition. <laughs> let me just let me just read you real quick his prayer. I've been noticing a lot of prayers recently yes, for people during this time, and I commend that, but I also want to give a prayer for stuff. There's dope stuff, like material <laughs> stuff, like sick apartments and watches and cars and clothes and shit that could all go away. And I don't want to see that stuff go away. So I'm going to say a prayer for that stuff. Amen. I just an un, unbelievable prayer. And I just realized how that's juxtaposed with the, the prayer that Timothy mm-hmm. says and how different they are and uh, I just had that thought, so I want to share it. Uh, but should we talk no, real quick perfect. about spoilers? All right, spoiler alert. Yes. So, spoiler alert. Okay. <laughs> should we have like a spoiler alert song should. every time we like do it? 
or like should it be like me angry like spoiler alert and it's like i like that like yeah that's it that's the one sometimes you hear it and you just know (laughs) spoiler alert any anytime you hear that we're about to talk about some stuff that happened that spoils the movie keep listening or you can pause and go watch and come back it's up it's up to you so speaking of those two prayers brings us to the scene that the prayer is happening. So basically the world's like literally ending comment as hit the whole world's just catching fire. It's just rippling, you know, through the whole world. And it got me thinking too, of like how, and I'm glad that they showed it too. how different people mm. would spend their last moments on earth. You know, some of them are having like, you know, a last bash, like on top of a, you know, a roof, just like partying, drinking, you know, their lives away. Some the people, you know, orgy. Were, I don't know, stealing yeah, shit nuts. from the stores. Yeah. <laughs> um, some people are just, you know, drinking their sorrows away. And, you know, our, our, our main characters here decided to just have a nice quaint dinner and just talk, you know, just amongst friends, yeah. family, you know, loved ones, people who are important. Like they just wanted to spend that one last time together. And I love this. I didn't know. I actually didn't like the line when he said it, uh, really but now I like it more. So yeah. Right. Leo D improvised that. And at first they weren't even going to keep the line. So the line was, the thing of it is we really, and then he pauses and he goes, we really did have everything, didn't we? I mean, if you think about it. And I, I don't know why, for some reason that didn't land for me, but the director, like it was improvised and they were like, oh, I don't know. Should we keep it in? Should yeah, I think not? I read Leo like, walked up to Adam McKay and the and supervisor. Someone was like, hey, what do you think about doing this? And they were like, try it. And so he, he tried it and mm. continue. But yeah, so ultimately they were like, you know what? I they thought that it because it didn't it about. wasn't even in you know in they cut scene. the movie a dozen two dozen times before they're like okay it's done. Mm-hmm. I think I read that they mm-hmm. and then they kept yeah, I think adding I read that they didn't even scenes. have yeah. that. Until, it was going to just end in black, like the very last cut, and they were like this this works. And yeah, they were also going to right. have the dinner just cut to black, but they. Someone showed him a new mm-hmm. uh, VFX visual effects technique, and I thought that was yep. awesome. Like, not I mean, it looked cool, but like it was just mm-hmm. awesome that they didn't just cut to black, but you felt their last millisecond on Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like to see their faces and like they. They, I mean, obviously, like they were scared and uncomfortable, but they were also at mm-hmm. almost at peace with what was happening. They're like, you know, yeah. we fought hard for what we believed in. I mean, at the end of the day, that's all you can do, right? Is just be content with the actions that you that you've made. No regrets, right? Like it's yep. just it's that's where it's at. And I thought that like every single one of their faces showed those mm-hmm. emotions beautifully. Um, another improvised uh line so when we're waiting for the rockets to shoot up uh the to go hit the, the comment and yep and so mr bash himself there <laughs> is sitting next 
uh, is sitting with, you know, Madam President. And they're Mr. kind of Bash like, they're all just Mark chit-chatting. Mark character, like, by the way. I don't think we mentioned that. Yeah. Yep. No, Mr. Bash. <laughs> Which, what a weird character. Okay, anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was, he, kill, he, he killed it. He feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so it was actually Meryl Streep's idea to know how she was going to die. So like, while they're like discussing things, like I guess her and Jonah were kind of like going back and forth about like, just, just riffing, like just, you know, talking about random stuff, who knew if it was going to be used in the movie or not. And they decided they would talk about like how they were going to die. And I guess like Jonah Hill was like, I'm going to die in three days from eating tainted human flesh. (laughs) And, And Streep was like, Wait, but what if I was eaten by like a creature? So they decided in that scene for her to be like, I want to know how I'm going to die. And then that was when Mr. Bash was like, you're going to be eaten by a Brontorock core or whatever it's called. We don't know what it is. Which is, I guess they. (laughs) Right. And they like fucked up that name. Over like every time they did a take, right? That I think name they kept trying out different names. And so finally, and they finally like finally that one. They're like, "That's it. That worked." Mm-hmm. That one. <laughs> so it was. So that was funny that like she kind of came up with that whole thing, and he's like, "Yeah, oh, like in your tea leaves or whatever." The thing was like, "It says you're gonna be like, eaten by one." And she's like, what? "Adam McKay has made like Anchorman, Step Brothers. Like those are heavily improvised." movies like they'll have a scene set up but then they'll be like all right let's just like riff for a while and try different takes different so like Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff works perfectly for an adam mckay movie yeah and it's interesting so even like for audio dramas podcasts where sometimes like you will have it completely scripted right and an actor is just supposed to read it and do it and blah but sometimes like the director will give them a little bit of just like notes. They'll just say like, whatever you say, I wanted to convey this message and give the actor like room to improvise Mm -hmm. and say something that feels more comfortable to them. And with, you know, actors like these, like you probably could have just written the, (laughs) the plot of the movie, like, you know, the concept of the movie and then just let them go at it. Cause that's what it felt like. It felt very, I mean, it, like obviously it was scripted, but some of the stuff that they were saying, it's like just it was great true acting. to their, I, just, I believed in the character. And this cast just, was absolutely uh, stacked. Yeah, uh, but so another way that they wanted to end that, so the the end credit scene, mm. the first, the mid one. So all these pods have been sent out, you know, to a new planet, and you know people show up. They're all naked because they've all been, you know, in cryo chambers and shit. And they're just like walking around this new planet. I guess um, one of the ways they actually wanted to end it was originally they wanted to have people get on the planet and then be like, oh, let's start building our houses. And then somebody would say like, oh, the pod carrying all the workers blew up. And then (laughs) Mark uh, Rylance would say like. I'll give anyone who builds me a house a billion dollars. And then suddenly everyone starts going like, I'll give you two billion. And then they all start realizing that they're all billionaires. So like it wouldn't really work out. But then they were like, how far can we take that bit? Like $10 billion. So then that was when Streep was like, oh, remember that funny bit we were doing about like me getting eaten by like a creature? Like what if this was it? So 
So that was kind of fun. Uh, and then the very last scene uh, was actually shot in Massachusetts. This whole movie was shot in Massachusetts. I forget exactly where the last scene was shot, but I guess it was like super freezing that day. And so, and Jonah Hill's like stuck in the rubble, freezing. And (laughs) McKay was like, all right, Hill, like, I'll tell you this. Like, if you can give me just like one line and you nail it, like, we'll stop shooting for the day. I know you're yeah. cold. Like, just give me something Nailed good. The first take and if you do it done. right, we won't have to do this. Because McKay again. loves doing multiple takes. <laughs> like, he'll never do just one take. Mm-hmm. So then that's when <laughs> Jonah Hill became this character. <laughs> like, embodied this character. Because at that moment, he comes out and he's like, like and subscribe. I'm the last yeah, man on incredible. Earth. Incredible. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. The like and subscribe was, was- such an amazing addition. <laughs> And uh, shout out to my sister. She didn't like that scene when she was because she watched the movie before me, which uh, worth mentioning once the title is the same in Portuguese that it is in English. Sometimes they switch it. This one was the same. Um, She's like, have you seen it yet? And I was like, no, but Brady and I were thinking about covering it on the podcast. She's like, oh, my God. Yes. Like, do it. She's like, I think everything was great. I think they could have done it without the last scene. But, you know, that's just my own personal thing. So I was like, oh, no, like you didn't like the. (laughs) Like and subscribe, unless she meant the street part. Maybe she never even saw Jonah Hill crawling out of the rumble. Maybe she was referring to the rumble. dinner scene. Rumble. Oh, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I need to. Hey, Lou, email. <laughs> because me. one thing about that last scene, the dinner <laughs> scene, is something that Sam said. But like the the cognitive dissonance of the scene, like you know, they're all gonna die. The world is over. And like they're all just sitting mm-hmm. there talking about apple pie. I I think it's a like that's the mm-hmm. perfect way to go. That's the perfect way to do it. They're just you know, final moments yeah. not being like, oh, we're gonna die. But just being like, you know, I'm here with my my loved ones talking about pie. Like that's that's the way to do it. But I can mm-hmm. see why some people would be like, Oh, this is freaking me out. Yeah. Um but going back to to Jonah Hill, so they were like, oh, my God, you nailed it. Absolutely love it. That's the best thing you could have possibly said, like, coming out of that. Uh, also, another reason why it was so incredible was um, McKay thought that it was specifically hilarious because he thought it was a reference to a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, the last from, man like, on 1959. Earth. I can't remember the episode what it was, called. was Time Enough at Last. Yeah, it's, uh, it's about... The, a guy who yeah. survives a, a hydrogen bomb explosion because he's in like a bank vault and he emerges. He's the last man on earth and he has all the time in the world to read. And then he immediately steps on his glasses, his glasses and break. smashes them and he can't <laughs> see a thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So he apparently is, yeah. McKay is like a yeah. huge Twilight geek. So. And yeah, I said Twilight, Twilight Geek Zone. on purpose. Before we end this, we do have a sponsor. Oh, time. For a sponsor of 2022. Hi there. I know there's recently been a lot of talk about the end of the world and whatnot, but we know the real truth. I won't be looking up anytime soon. I'm Meg, and I'm here to tell you that there's absolutely nothing to worry about. So why not take it easy and try Bash's new Apple Pie app in the Apple App 
store at the Bash Beta Bazaar. It gives you easy step-by-step -step instructions for baking your very own homemade apple pie, just like grandma used to make. Trust us, we've been watching you and your grandma for years. So why not bake a pie for your next gathering? It's not like the world is going anywhere anytime soon. Don't listen to Meg, she's a real. Jared here, and the world is most definitely going to end. When that giant rock hurtling towards the planet at 70 kilometers per second comes crashing down and vaporizes the atmosphere and every living thing on Earth, so why waste the precious minutes you've got left baking an apple pie when you have an end of the world dinner to plan? Come on down to Carl's Classic Convections for our pre-packaged pies and hurry on back to your bunkers and pray to your gods for... Pre-packaged pies? Is this whole crazy? Regardless of an end of the world scenario and that there's no proof of it happening, homemade pies are magnitudes better. Farm fresh ingredients made with love, warm out of the oven, well, that's why God gave us the microwave. Just warm our prepackaged pies when you get home in seconds. The ingredients are exactly the same. The same? You call preservatives the same? Sure, if the world is ending, which it's not, then eat your poison. You're not going to make it anyways. What poison? I'll have you know the average American eats three tablespoons of calcium sorbate every year. It's got calcium. Bones. Don't listen to her. Buy our prepackaged pies and just try to survive. Make your own. Buy it. Make it. Buy it. I love dope stuff, like material stuff. <laughs> In summation, I liked it. I think so, it's worth watching once. Mm -hmm. Screw the critics. And worth the watching multiple times. Like, you know, yeah. Agreed. Definitely worth watching once if you are into the truth, if you are into satire, if you're into dark humor, if you're into disaster movies, if you're into any of well, you the might actors watch and think that we mentioned. But Jonah Hill is, you come for Jonah Hill, I stay for Jonah Hill. He, I thought he was amazing. <laughs> was gonna... oh, what a way. way to start off 2022, huh? We're hitting 2022 like a roaring comet coming in. Just bursting through the atmosphere with our fucking hot. opinions. And well, as always, you can find us on Instagram at worth watching once, Twitter at ww1pod. No, that's not a World War One Twitter account. And you can also find us at worthwatchingonce.com. Happy New Year to all as a New Year resolution. I resolute. No, I promise. <laughs> I will try. No, I will. Post more on Instagram. That is no my resolution for this podcast. All right, you'll do it. You'll Don't do tell it. The though. Listeners <laughs> yeah, I'll do it until March, right? That's when people start <laughs> leaving the gyms and stuff. <laughs> listeners, let us know what your resolutions are. And until next time. Peace. <laughs>